welcoming everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built. And we are a member of the 1012 Podcast Network. And you can find all the great coverage of the Big 12 over at 1012network.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. And also, I can remind you, this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan all year, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long with more than 30 schools to choose from. They've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. You can get 15% off any non-sale item by using the code 101215, that's T-E-M, one two one five at checkout. Shop today over at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who hasn't fallen out of the top 25 yet, Carl, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? You know, Gerald, rankings are, are arbitrary. Um, you can revisit our Podstradamus uh, conversation earlier. I've, I'm out on rankings the seven years of this podcast. Big on rankings this year. I'm out. No, I kid. Um, top 10 Texas, baby. If, if any sports fall out, you can guarantee that, um, you know, Gerald and Kyle put out a top 10 Texas podcast. We're in the rankings. I, I, I feel very, very firmly of that. And speaking of, just a plug. It's 2024. What's your New Year's um, resolution? Maybe it's to be better to your your, your podcast friends to uh, support the things that you love go out and leave a review on all of the uh places where you find a spotify apple google wherever you get them just five stars talk about you know why gerald's the best talk about uh why you've been with us on this journey tell us how long you've been listening go do that right now like pause do that and then come back uh all of those things welcome back from leaving us a five-star review on (laughs) apple Podcasts or spotify either one but we're going to talk about a lot today. Big news dump day. Sark gets a big extension. Texas women's volleyball has an up and down week currently up on Kansas by uh, almost 30 points, 60 to 38. But uh, that's a rebound after a Kansas State loss earlier in the weekend. Men's basketball falls out of the top 25. Number three, Texas sweeps Lamar in its home opener and the, um, the track team. Going back about their winning ways. We also got BOL, the mop up on all of the, honestly, it's all really Texas news, but not necessarily things that are happening on a sporting field. But we'll obviously close the show out with some Godzilla Tron and we'll bang the drum. This will be a one show week for us, but it'll be chock full of goodness. And we start off the top with Steve Sarkeesian. And really, this had been happening for a while, but what felt like a fevered pace kicked off. Nick Saban, if you're not uh, aware of this, announced that he would be retiring effective immediately this offseason, which kicked off a massive ra- uh, rampant list of speculation about who would replace the greatest of all time. And one of the names that popped up on a lot of lists, surprisingly, though, not Pete Thamel's list, uh, was Steve Sarkeesian, who was already in contract negotiations. But uh, after Dan Lanning and Mike Norvell both announced that they were returning to their respective schools, Sark was the lone man out. But again, already in negotiations 
And then late one night, he and L'Oreal, his wife, both tweeted out that it's a great day of the Longhorn, which was our white smoke out of the Vatican, signaling that Sark was locked in. A few days later, Jay Hartzell announced and tweeted that a contract was on its way to the board of Regent. Sark extends his contract another four years, keeps him in burnt orange till 2030. No numbers yet, but good to have that level of continuity. Kyle, how does it feel? To have a coach get an extension after bringing home a trophy. Uh, this is a hard and fast rule of this podcast is don't extend coaches who ain't won nothing. Sark won, uh, of course, the the final ever Big 12 title. I guess they will continue to give those out. Uh, but the last one that mattered uh, on his way out of the conference, um, adding to the trophy case, um, got to the college football playoff. Like that's that's the type of, of items that, that usually warrant a uh, an extension, not necessarily a, a good year that gives – you know, a, a uh, already ridiculous contract, more uh, dollars and no sense. And I'm not talking about any specific school like Texas A&M, just generally, because um, sometimes those terrible deals help you fail upward to become the AD at a bigger school. Anyways, that's another tangent. We're, we're talking about Sark right now. Um, it feels great, Gerald. I, I like there was coming into the year where you and I talked about, if you go back and listen to our season preview, if you listen to our season recap last year, um, there was a lot of belief from you and I in Sark the person. Um, we talked in various podcasts throughout this year about who he is, you know, the character he builds, the culture he was trying to instill, um, what he prioritizes. But it was a little bit of a, you know, show me, right? Like you're saying all the right things. You have your, your players saying the right things, but show us on the field by finishing games, by making the adjustments, doing the things. And, you know, what did, what did Sark do? He orchestrated the, revenge tour where they you know beat every single one of the hateful eight on their way out of the big 12 no one gets to to have scoreboard on them in perpetuity got the big 12 title got to the college football playoff like he he did it now on the field and and as we unfortunately saw uh with the men's basketball team right being successful on in your given sport is great it, it is one of the the mandates and necessities of being a coach at the university of texas but the best, the legends, the ones you want to extend and want to see them just build the the program in their image are the ones who do all the things right off the field, who invest in the culture, who, you know, are lifting up. And again, I don't mean to draw a direct comparison between Beard and Sark, um, but I've seen fans critiquing Rodney Terry for, um, you know, Chris Beard being 15-1 and one against n- nobodies uh, <laughs> in his current schedule, right? And, and I love on-field success. I'm glad Sark is rewarded for it, but equally so, and we've said it, you know, I don't know how many times on this podcast, Sark also should be and I think is and has been finally uh, rewarded for the person he is, his vulnerability, transparency, and his experiences, how that's made him a better coach, how he's instilled that into his players and the culture, and there's a humility. They still have a, you know, you better not talk on us. We're going to, you know, go out and find a chip to put on our shoulder uh, that I like. But there's ultimately a humility that's been missing a little bit from Texas football that Sark, I think, has directly been responsible for that probably also directly correlates to on-field success. Yeah, I mean, the... Long and short of it is that Steve Sarkeesian has the most successful run this side of Mac Brown. Like, let's just be honest with you. Um, you know, more, clearly more than Charlie Strong, clearly more. I, Tom Herman has that that uh, win over Georgia to hang his hat on. But, I mean, college football playoff, conference championship hasn't happened since 09, right? Like, that's the thing. And so um, Steve Sarkeesian rightly being rewarded for that. And I think um, – 
you and I have talked a lot and you mentioned it about how much we appreciate what Sark has done as like a person and as like a culture creator and as someone who's made Texas a place to be the combination of him and, and Chris Del Conte really pouring into uh, their vision into this university and really getting aligned quickly. It's been huge. Right. Um, and so like it shows Texas was start Sark was 13 and 12 this year coming into this year. Ended the year 25 and 14, right? Never had a 10 win season. Absolutely incredible run. And I think for, you know, Sark, it, it is well deserved. And I put it out there on Twitter, right? Like, this was a perfect marriage of people in kind of similar trajectories, right? Like, Texas got Sark at a pretty steep discount mm-hmm. three seasons ago. I think it was $5.6 million, right? Uh, which is an absolute steal for a guy um, at the University of Texas. It's a Texas got him at a discount um, and it worked out well for both because Texas, you know, after whiffing on two coaches had to hit on this one and really had to prove its seriousness as a program. And they were able to find a guy who had a very high ceiling and an unknown floor and pay him uh, based around that unknown floor. And so Sark for his trouble after, you know, when you lose your job due to substance abuse problems, there is a high likelihood that you will never get back to that same height. And so Sark got a second chance at a blue blood and the, the marriage worked out perfectly for both of them. And so now, you know, Sark is turning Texas into Texas again. And we'll talk more about this uh, in the burn orange lenses section, but like Texas is doing Texas things again. So Texas gets to be Texas and Texas now is going to presumably be paying his coach like it is the university of Texas, because I guarantee you Sark (laughs) did not take a discount on this one. Look, we're out here spending bags, giving Lamborghinis, uh, you know, least Lamborghinis, not given it's a lease. Yeah. Uh, he, he earned his, you know, and, uh, I, I, nothing was given. It was earned. Right. And, and that's all credit to Sark, uh, you know, to, to L'Oreal, I mean, even like her comments, you know, as this senior class is outgoing and uh, just saying like, I can't believe it's like, I'm so happy, so sad that all these, you know, I won't get to hug all these players again next year. Like just that, like they have a culture, they have a family atmosphere, they have uh, talent. You see, we'll talk about a little bit more that's coming in. He's got all the things going. I've had two different people this week, and this is anecdotal, but text me um, from different programs that that casually watch Texas, one uh, a Florida fan and one an Alabama fan, um, and just say, you know, this version of Texas, seeing it now, like I used to always have a soft spot and affinity for Texas, um, but where each of them are respectively and looking at it um, makes me realize why everyone hates Texas, because if y'all are good <laughs> on the field, you just take everyone's recruits you do all that like the on-field success was the one thing missing from from having it all together and if Sark could do that and continue to recruit at this level and keep the culture high right this is um you know this this is the start he's still got a long way to go to put himself with the greats but this is that start that security where he's he's building and and you know there was really one job that maybe anyone was even worried that might possibly lure him away. And again, I don't think any real true uh, Longhorns were worried about that, but um, maybe some were recruiting that way. I don't know. Um, But when you turn down the Alabama job to stay at Texas, it pretty much says 
you'll be at Texas as long as, you know, the results are there as long as you want to, which again, is just one more thing you can recruit with is, is longevity, building culture, sustainability. Um, I'll just say this. It, it is interesting timing with, with his two mentors, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll retiring, right? Pete Carroll um, from the NFL um, and his coach at USC who kind of helped him early his career. And then he always credits Saban for kind of resuscitating his career and just, just being a mentor on the human side of things. Um, both on the same day, it was, it was an interesting synergy for, for, Sark, I'm sure, wild to, to see, you know, kind of that next class. He's at the head uh, in the top four or five, you know, nationally coaches at the college level who are going to be doing things for the next decade or two. So Texas is locked up. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, if it's not Bama, it's not anywhere else. Sark ain't going anywhere because someone's offered more money or more opportunity, more anything. He's locked in. As long as results are there, this is the start uh, for, for Steve and L'Oreal Sarkeesian being Longtime staples of the Texas football culture, and I'm excited. Uh, and like I said at the beginning, well-earned, Coach Sark. Yeah, I mean, well-earned, well-earned indeed. And again, Texas locked up moving forward uh, for the foreseeable future. The recruiting uh, still looking good in spite of having to let a player out of his national letter of intent. Texas currently sitting second overall, third in the composite, eighth in the transfer rankings for 2023, 2024. So a uh, Texas sitting pretty for the future and they've got their man of the future as well, and Steve Sarkeesian. That brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus, though, and we down the 40, and we start with the women's basketball team who had the definition of an up and down and then back up week. Number 10 women's basketball uh, knocks off TCU by double digits and falls after giving up a decent-sized lead to Kansas State, 68-51. to at the time of recording, 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday, they're currently up 27. Make that 30 points. They just hit a shot on Kansas uh, currently with 32 seconds left in the third quarter. So probably cruising over that one. But this is a team that has absolutely been decimated by injuries. Three of the stars of the, the team are currently on crutches or wearing walking boots. They're going to be 17 and two on the year, but I'm just like curious how sustainable this is going to be with the level of injuries and mash unit. This has turned into, I mean, we, we know this team is, is deep. We, we knew that. Um, that was part of what we liked um, with, with the freshmen they brought in with kind of what they kept from, from previous years. We knew there was depth um, for this team. You're seeing, uh, Shaylee Gonzalez uh, step up a bit here in her role with with Rory out. She hit her 200th career three pointer. So congrats to uh, to her on, on that uh, career mark. That's pretty cool. Um, in this game against Kansas, for instance, when they're up 30, it's a pretty even split with 15 for the birthday girl Aaliyah Moore, 15 for the new. Even though she's a freshman, like I hate to say it, best player and heart of this team, 15 uh, for Madison Booker, who also has. Uh, four rebounds, six assists, like just a nice round stat line with a quarter still to play. 12 for Khadija Fay, um, right? Nine for Amina Mahan and, and, and like I mentioned, Shaylee Gonzalez. So uh, they're spreading it around a little bit more. I think Madison Booker does step up, but it, it's it will be tested at the highest levels with the teams who have the absolute most elite talent who can, um, you know, 
depending who's healthy for Texas, maybe get them in foul trouble, get them out of the rotations. But it's a next woman up mentality where they, they you know, play the Vic style of, of defense. A lot of these players have been in the program and you have the rare exceptions like a Maddie Booker who come in um, and are good right away and just get it and are so good that they can learn it on the fly. Um, it is truly transcendent. Again, it's a heartbreaker to not have her next to Rory, but she is taking over a lot of the ball handling uh, responsibilities and, and has been great doing it. I will say that. Um, against that win in TCU at 21, seven and six, she just fills out a stat sheet. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's health, right. It's, it's Leah Moore stepping up as, as one of our premier players. It's, you know, um, kind of every night who's the hot hand and, and keep playing the defense and hitting the boards like Vic coaches it. So it's, it's a coaching job. This might be Vic's toughest coaching job of his, his career without Rory when you built the team around her. So um, they did see, I did see actually a couple um, mid season awards, uh, the, the mid season Naismith award still listed Rory Harmon, even though she's hurt, which I thought was a nice touch because you, you should recognize again, being one of the top, three players in the country for the first half of the season. Give her, give her some, some credit there. But, uh, but yes, it, it, it's, we will see a good big 12, a good big 12. And I, I believe you go back and listen to the preview pod. I called out, watch out for Kansas state. They have a ton of talent. They could be a dark horse. Everyone talking Baylor in Texas. Um, and, it, and it's proved to be true. I think, you know, you have three teams that are, that are probably top 10 to top, you know, 12 at the end of the season right there in Texas, Baylor and Kansas state. And, and unfortunately Texas two losses are to those two top 10 teams, Kansas state and Baylor. So it's, it's really against the top end teams without their, their full 100% talent. Uh, they've, they've lost by a couple points in each of those. Can they have a couple possessions, steal a couple possessions to overcome that in the close games that we know will be coming down the road? Yeah, I mean, the the road is not going to get any easier. I mean, uh, 20, 33 points over Kansas is not going to be the uh, continued tenor of the season. But again, um, if there's one advantage of the of the many advantages that Texas has of how they've recruited over the last several years, it is a next person up, right? It's a next man up mentality. And so they've really shown that. And uh, it's tough to, I mean, Kansas state's a good squad. Texas had a, you know, a six point lead in that game, gave up an 11 point 11 Oh run. Um, and that was really all she wrote. Like it, it's tough to see that happen. But I think when you're missing someone like Aliyah Moore, you don't have your killer. You don't have your, you know, your, your hatchet person for lack of a better term. So uh, I'm curious to see how it shakes out again uh, not as much of a slam dunk final four team as we once thought but i still think this is a team and texas still has the coach to deal with this if, if there is a coach in the conference i'm going to bet on it's going to be vic schaefer 10 times out of 10 and so next up for texas heading to stillwater to take on oklahoma state on saturday again currently at the time of recording 8 35 p.m on tuesday texas leads at the Start of the fourth quarter, 73 to 41 over Kansas, looking comfortable to move to 17 and 2 on the year. The men, for their trouble, had a lot of trouble, fell out of the top 25 with a loss to unranked West Virginia, 76 to 73 in Morgantown. West Virginia's only win in the Big 12 season was this upset when Texas shot an abysmal 38% from the floor in the first half. Uh, and Max Aismas was really the only one, I guess him and Dylan Disu were the only two that carried their weight in this one. Yeah, I mean, there's no two two ways around it. It's it's a bad loss. Any trip to Morgantown you know is, is tough. It's just that we've said that in every sport every year that is the case but if there was a year it was going to be easier uh it's this west virginia team they're not like horrendous but they are they are very clearly the worst team in the big 12 i think and so um 
their fans, to their credit, came out and started heckling Brock Cunningham an hour before the game. I don't know if they got in his head. Um, we're back in the the classic Brock territory of you know, is he going to finish the season with more points or fouls? Um, which is not you know the, the necessarily the company you want to be in. Um, but it sounds like there might be a shakeup with with him leaving the starting rotation. Maybe you know some rotation switches get some different energy on the court together. Rodney Terry's got a coaching job on his hands now. You have Max Asmus, right? A guy who just keeps skyrocketing up the all time three pointer scoring list. Like he's he's an all timer. Um, but you know he teams are kind of saying, well, just let him chuck it, right? Let him shoot threes. If he hits them, make him beat us. And, and you might have nights where he scores like against West Virginia 32 and you still lose, right? He was named the big 12 newcomer of the week. It's not his fault. Um, Dylan, just like you mentioned, went over a thousand career points with his 18 and six, but no, no other Texas player scored eight, right? So, or more than eight. So, um, you know, it's, they need to find a recipe for success that isn't just Asmus. Um, th- there's been games when when Hunter had it going. You know, can those two both go on the same night and this be a front, you know, a, a, a backcourt led team? Can really can Shedrick and Dsu, you know, figure it out? Uh, and can they find the rebounding with that much size on the court that they need and and get it going? I mean, I, there's a lot of question marks. I have more questions than answers at this point, and and we know the Big Twelve is unforgiving, so. Um, buckle up. This may just be a a longer basketball season for the men than than we had anticipated. And part of this is the Big Twelve being the ball of knives it always is. Kyle, I want you to how many of the what fourteen Big Twelve teams have a winning home or winning away record in in the young conference play season? Oh, like two, three. It is exactly two. Baylor is one and zero away from home. Texas Tech one and zero away from home. Everybody else, let's read off the top. Uh, Kansas zero and one on the road. Iowa State zero and one on the road. Kansas State one and one. Cincinnati one and one. TCU zero and two. Houston zero and two. BYU one and one. Oklahoma zero and two. Texas one and one. UCF zero and one. West Virginia zero and one. Oklahoma State zero and two. This is the toughest road basketball conference in the country, and will continue to be that. That's just what you have to deal with. You mm. have to win enough of your home games. Your home games to mask the fact that you're going to get beat to crap on the road. And so Texas did not do that in one contest, but hopefully they'll rebound uh, coming up this weekend, UCF on Saturday and then Bay- uh, UCF on Wednesday, the day you're listening to this and then Baylor at home on Saturday. Number three, tennis sweeps Lamar in its home opener and then sweeps Abilene Christian as well. No dramatics really. Texas looking dominant in it, absolutely uh, just cruising in that one. But then uh, probably not going to cruise in this one, Kyle. I don't know if you know, but Virginia, yeah, the budding tennis rivalry, yeah, number one Virginia coming to Austin on Thursday. Big matchup for that one. I'm excited. No, it's huge. If you if you love college tennis, you you've had this one circled. If you like college tennis, maybe you were aware of this big one versus three matchup if you know nothing about college tennis um, this is the one to tune into and watch it's going to be elite uh level collegiate tennis um virginia really really good this texas team um 
they have a chip on their shoulder from last year. They had guys come back who no one thought would come back. They're playing at a high level right now, um, just sweeping through the season up to this point. But it's a completely different caliber. So uh, watch this one. If you're in Austin, this would be a good one to go out, watch some live tennis. This will be uh, at the highest level. And, you know, the Horns have a chance to make a statement. And I do not think that will be lost on them um, with a chance to really say this is our season start to finish uh, wire to wire. If they can take down the number one team, they probably won't lose that number one seed all year. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a tight one on Thursday. Then they'll take a couple of days off before the ITA kickoff weekend on the 27th. The track team back in action. It's first outing since December 2nd, 1-8 at the Rod McCravey Memorial Invitation, including an NCAA record for their troubles. Our friend Yusef Bismiana won the 1,000 meters, which seems just too, too <laughs> many, but a decade-old record for the NCAA, a nearly four-decade-old record uh, for the school held by Pablo Squella. We're going to go with Squella? Squella yeah. feels right. Yeah. Um, and for his trouble was the USTFCCA Athlete of the Week, but he wasn't the only one to bring home gold in the uh, 2024 kickoff. That's right. The, I just want to point out some of the fantastic names you just mentioned. Rod McCravey Memorial is one of my favorite uh, named events uh, of the season. Uh, Pablo Squaya being the record holder. I didn't. I was not familiar with your work, Pablo, coming into <laughs> this. You're tremendously named, and you held a record for four decades. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, our, our guy Yusuf, um, one of the best-dressed collegiate athletes, brings that style straight from London. Every time they post track, pictures on Instagram of them getting on the plane to uh, to travel. You just just look with the track team. They they stunt uh, a bit on everyone, but but Yusuf always towards the top of the class. Now at the absolute top of the class with the uh, national record. He was named just by the way the USTFC AA. Did I get all the acronyms? I don't know. US Track and Field uh, Coaches Association with the acronyms we all know and love uh, athlete of the week. Sam Hurley Again, a guy with with more Instagram followers than B. John Robinson um, put up a personal record in the pole vault, pole vault winning that event. Uh, Marilyn Nora threw the third best shot put in school history, continues to be a rising star for the program. Kendrick Smallwood won the 60. Uh, Cole Lindhorst and Olivia Howell won the 800. Mackenzie Brown also winning the 800. Uh, men's women's uh, also won the 4 by 4 So a, a dominant showing in Fayetteville. I believe up next they head back to Fayetteville for a different invitational. Uh, a lot of track is run in uh, in Arkansas, um, but uh, yeah, Texas does well there. Uh, great start to the season indoor. They're looking for national championships. That's the the, the mark that Flo has set. Uh, top five is great. National indoor national championships, men's and women's. That's that's the bar. That's what we're shooting for this year. Going to Arkansas and winning a meet. Is this what the kids call walking into Yo Trap and taking over Yo Trap? Is that what that is? I don't know that anyone has ever said those words the way that you just said them. I would say that's a that's okay. a surefire thing that no Fair. one has said it like that. But yes, that that may be um, what the kids say. I, I I'll have to check with uh, with the kids. Appreciate it. Thank you. All the kids we know. Uh, All right, Gerald, Uh, let's take it with some burnt orange lenses now. Uh, My favorite news of the week is as much great news as there is before this and coming after this. Logan Eggleston was named the 2023 NCAA Woman of the Year, Texas's first time winner of this prestigious award. Uh, They started giving in 1991. It honors the, the best, you know, 
athlete, best uh, scholar, and best humanitarian, like the literal best person. Um, we know she, her work active in the community, active on campus, active in starting, uh, you know, giving the student athletes a voice uh, on campus in a unified voice, um, active as literally an activist uh, with things going on the past few years. She has um, never been silent, made her mark. She's still in school getting her master, so she's still around in Austin. Um, and just, I think, incredibly well rewarded uh, and couldn't have come to a better person. As Texas won another national championship without her, right? The, the calendar year, technically, 2023, right? You forget because this was Maddie Skinner's team, but uh, Logan Eggleston's still um, still an absolute boss uh, and, and so proud uh, that the University of Texas calls her an alumni. I mean, this is an opportunity for um, Texas to show, like, again, you and I, it's the reason why we, we do the show the way we do it, right? We are, the Texas women's athletics have really been an absolute um, bell cow for them over the last several years, and uh, Logan Eggleston getting this award feels like almost a culmination of those efforts, um, and she's going to be back, like you mentioned, not just getting her master's, but playing League One Volleyball. She spent the last year uh, in Turkey, so she's coming home to play stateside while she gets her master's. What more do you need? That's right. The One of the founding uh, players on the League One volleyball team. They've only named two. Uh, Carly Lloyd, who I think was the National Player of the Year in like 2010, and mm-hmm. Logan Eggleston, I think she played for Cal, and Logan Eggleston, who played, uh, you know, was the National Player of the Year in 2022. 20, uh, so a good gap in them, but that's your setter and your absolute uh, outside hitter right there. This will be a fun team to watch. If you're in Austin, uh, they'll have their inaugural season coming up, but she's coming back from Galatasaray, one of my favorite teams to say in any sport, uh, but uh, played for their their uh, volleyball team in Turkey and will be coming back home to Austin. Um, Gerald, football, we all want to uh, talk about it. The names of, of tomorrow have made their way to campus. It was early enrollee uh, move-in weekend as classes started, I believe, today when you're listening, or today when we're recording, when you're listening to this, they will have started yesterday. Um, kids on campus, uh, which which early enrollee out of all of the the many that are here, because most of this class enrolled early, uh, are you expecting to have the biggest biggest impact? Kyle, is this our Potsdamus picks brought to you by Prize Picks? It could be our Potsdamus picks brought to you by Prize Picks. Gerald, roll that beautiful ad footage. Remember, all of our listeners, Prize Picks is the best legal way to pick player props in states like California, Texas, and more. And if you Go download that app. It's got a 4.8 on both the Google Play and Apple App Store. Download it today. Use the code Longhorn12. Get to a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. You can do all the fun stuff. Daily Fantasy, you can do all of your projections issue versus the projected numbers. They've got all of the sports, college basketball, NFL, NBA, MLB is not going right now, but they got it too when it's around. All of the things you want to watch. But check it out over at Prize Picks. Use the code Longhorn 12, and they will match 100% of your instant deposit up to $100. Kyle, my answer to this question is pretty simple. Probably going to be Colin Simmons. And that's the easy answer. This is a low-hanging fruit. Colin Simmons feels like the one where Texas is still looking for some answers at edge. And I think Colin Simmons, he's he's like a little bit of a tweener. Like, I almost feel like he's not quite your your typical pass edge, but he's also not. Like, he's listed as a linebacker on 247, but he's not necessarily the size, um, the prototype size that you want. He almost feels like a... Like, um, and this is not a direct comparison, but what, you know, when you think about like to, to Malik Murphy, right? Malik Murphy was kind of a tweener too, and it was 
struggled for him in some more traditional defenses. And I think him being in Pete Kwiatkowski's defense is good because you could be a little bit more flexible. But I think Colin Simmons is a guy who probably just find a spot on the field and turn him into a torpedo, similar to what you did to Anthony Hill this year, except probably less quarterback uh, spying. But I think Colin Simmons is probably the easiest one to, to pick out of the lineup. I like your pick, and and that would probably be my pick if we weren't trying to differentiate. But I actually have the correct pick, Gerald, and I will give that to you. While Colin Simmons is going to be an absolute monster, and no one's saying he couldn't, uh, you know, make all you know some all conference or whatever end of your freshman all conference national you know all American type thing. Uh, no no doubt that's on the table for him. The guy who will day in day out from week one. For the next four years make the biggest impact is of course punter Michael Kern, Gerald. Don't uh, don't don't uh, don't kern it. You got to earn it. I don't know. I'm still workshopping that. It'll come by season's end. Uh, Michael Kern, of course, as everyone knows, is um, the the punter recruit from St. Thomas Aquinas. Everyone um, out here looking at the uh, at, at the punters. Um, He's a, a, you know, it's hard to say, three-star, five-star, whatever. He's 6'3", uh, good size, good leg on him. Um, I trust Jeff Banks wholeheartedly, as we said, uh, dominated the, the special teams this year with the number one special teams in the country. I trust Jeff Banks. Um, I trust that they didn't go out and look for a portal punter the way they, they did with Sanborn, who filled in so admirably, um, and said, you know, we, we trust that Michael Kern is coming in and, and going to do the dang thing. So Michael Kern is the correct answer here. I think that's fair. I mean, I almost went with him, but it felt on brand to leave him for you. So I think it's going to, I think I, I, it worked out well. All right, Gerald, a couple uh, big news. Um, some we, we knew, some we, we thought, you know, we knew some surprised us uh, on the returns. Uh, Johnny Barron announces his return in a cool video with Michael Huff. Also, uh, seems to be announcing a new number. I like it. I'm a fan of Manchester United and in, in uh, of that soccer club. There's a legendary jersey, and the number seven kind of gets handed down from George Best and David Beckham, and uh, it's kind of a big deal. Some years it will sit uh, unused, but it will be given to a player who has earned it. Usually a uh, creative, goal-scoring, enigmatic winger, or or, or you know. Uh, player off the striker, something like that. And uh, I kind of like this tradition of Huff giving Barron the number seven. I like this being the DBU uh, totem. If you get seven, it's a big deal. I don't know if that was the reason he came back to wear it. But nonetheless, it was a cool video, and it is incredibly, incredibly big things for both the ceiling and floor uh, of this team. And maybe, or the defense, and maybe the entire team is Jade Barron returning. Yeah, I mean, Jade Barron is huge. And I think not only does it allow... Not only is returning Jade Barron huge for the defense just because Jade Barron is is who Jade Barron is and will continue to be that, but also there was talk about like playing Andrew Makuba at that kind of nickel position. Um, and so being able to play Makuba at safety while Barron comes back is a net positive for both positions. And I think Texas's back end has needed some support for quite some time. And so being able to play Makuba back there alongside Derek Williams is going to be a massive win for them. And I'm excited. Uh, other one, Quinn Ewers, I think we all expected that. And then David Bend, I think, came out just as we were recording our last uh, episode. So I, I believe we talked about that one. But obviously, Quinn coming back, um, big deal. Uh, but the, the the bigger deals here, Gerald, let's talk about the portal. Uh, it is it is portal season still uh, because when a coach leaves, it opens it back up. It's interesting. But um, 
Texas, you know, doing what you should do, which is take advantage of legend uh, Nick Saban leaving and that that well-stocked pipeline and and adding uh, some of the best players. I believe the first one is the number one at his position, number two overall, according to some sites in the portal. That's wide receiver Isaiah Double O. Seven uh, Bond, Isaiah Bond from Alabama. I mean, Bond is a massive pickup for Texas. Um, and you, when you lose a guy like Jordan Whittington, uh, it's hard to replace that level of leader in the uh, slot position. So getting a guy who um, is responsible for really the only reason why Alabama was still in the uh, college football playoff conversation, being on the receiving end of that massive fourth down conversion. Um, absolutely. Texas fans remember him from that game as well, but uh, I number one wide receiver in the portal. There's no two ways to say it. Texas also added Silas Bolden from Oregon state who probably won't factor in huge to the wide receiver picture, but I think factoring in as the, in a returning capacity uh, will be big for Texas with him back there. He's a, he is a special teams return ace. Yeah. An absolute human joystick. Um, a player who, uh, could be the Keelan Robinson in, in many ways, right? You could see him getting um, some some change of pace type plays on the offense, being a returner, uh, maybe playing special teams all the way around, creating a spot for him at the next level, uh, the way as a gunner, as a, a punt blocker. I could see some special things for him. Um, you know, uh, Bonds, by the way, his nickname, the Grave Digger. I still like the Nightmare and Jordan Hare for that fourth and 31 catch, but uh, very interesting um, nickname potential all around, obviously, the James Bond. Um, Silas Bolden, just a tremendous name. We'll, we'll come up with some nicknames. And, and a guy needs no nickname, Blackshire, which uh, sounds like a, a Game of Thrones house Blackshire. Kendrick Blackshire coming home to Texas, another Alabama kid. Uh, at linebacker, a position that, you know, Gerald, I, I think we both agree, can never have too many talented bodies at. I mean, it's not bad to get a kid from Duncanville. I feel like so much of this defense is going to be guys from Duncanville. And Kendrick Blackshire was a guy who, like, I was I was curious about him at Texas when he was a prep, but, um, you know, he hasn't really shed a ton of, like, the big knock on him. It was like, how good is he in pass coverage? And we just still don't know that yet. But the dude looked like a grown man coming out of high school, and so I'm completely fine with that. Um, more grown men on defense is never a bad thing. Um, but he's, he's, I mean, Texas needed bodies. Texas needed depth. You know, your starting two is probably going to be still Anthony Hill and David Benda, but having a guy like Kendrick Blackshire, who's probably not a passing down linebacker, but he is a really good run fit linebacker. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad either, Gerald. One thing, I'm not mad at this either. Um, a, a, a do the best for you piece of news that I think a lot of people are are mad about and, and it's had trickle down effects and I, I totally understand that, but I'm not mad at Bo Davis um, who after we recorded this last week and we're, we're celebrating the fact that he, uh, he was <laughs> staying, uh, which it seemed like was the case. They, they had out moneyed LSU. LSU played the, uh, the Trump card to get him to, to come home. He's obviously an alum of LSU, but uh, the chance to coach uh, his son in state, Bo Davis taking the defensive line job at LSU. You know, the incredible job he did this year, what he meant to the team. Um, but Bo was right. Bo knows. Uh, Bo may have been the galvanizing force for this culture, what they needed um, to get us to that next level. And so if, if, you know, that goes, I don't think it leaves and it's gone, but we needed it in that moment. Um, and LSU certainly needs it badly as well. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe he'll go help turn them around, but um, I am sad to see him go, but I'm not mad. I'm not mad at him. 
Yeah, not at all. I mean, this is if if I get offered a opportunity to go and coach my son at a uh, at a university and, and get a pay raise while doing it. Plus, now that I'm a university employee, I no longer have to pay tuition for my my child. I mean, what 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 more can you ask for? Um, you know, there there's something you said about like Bo Davis helped shape the culture, but he did not shape the culture. The culture set by Steve Sarkeesian and the rest. Mm. And so uh, Bo Davis was a big part of that. But I think part of that was also um, him, you know, doing what, what Steve Sarkeesian had asked him to do. Um, and part of it, you know, his son, Bo, B-E-A-U Davis, right? Not B-E-A-U-X Davis. Unfortunately. Sad. Big miss. Big um, miss. But, but, you know, Texas tried to get him in, but couldn't get him in until May, uh, which it sucks to suck, but it is what it is. Um, mm. And Bo Davis was still right. It doesn't change that. It's just, you know, he's now going to try to do that same thing at LSU, and I hope it fails there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – I, I do wish him – I'm not going to say success, but happiness coaching his son, <laughs> I, I think. Um, like you said, that's that's invaluable. No I amount of money. I wish you fulfillment, Bo. Yes. No amount of money can, can – um, can top that but also lots and lots and and lots and lots and lots of money like a lot of defensive coordinators are going to look at Bo Davis's salary and say wait a minute why not me um he's yeah very very well paid so good on him but uh one trickle down effect that we we alluded to um is a defensive lineman who came to play for Bo who's a a lauded recruiter um DeAndre Robinson Uh, Texas doing the right thing by him I think Gerald in releasing him from his NLI allowing him to reopen his recruitment. Yeah, I mean, that was the absolute right choice for for DeAndre. And I think it's the, the classy thing for Texas to do. Texas needs to find some answers, I think, at the interior defensive line for the future. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's the, absolutely the right thing to do. You can't hold that kid to it. I mean, I, maybe they're trying something innovative, right? This year it seemed like they didn't have any edges and they just had all of the defensive tackles. Maybe next year they'll just have all of the edges and none of the <laughs> defensive tackles and they'll just alternate to keep the the opposing teams off, uh, you know, on their toes. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's obviously the watch point we will talk about a lot between now and next September. Um, Jonathan Brooks, uh, a very, very cool thing. We talked about this a little bit with Roy Harmon getting, you know, some shine on awards. Jonathan Brooks also getting, um, I think, a, a good gesture in the right decision. Um, a An invite, uh, or his invite, I guess, was confirmed. He already had the invite to the East-West Shrine Bowl. Um they will have a bunch of, of interviews. He won't get to play in the game, but they get to meet every NFL GM. It's a good chance for a guy who's probably, you know, before injury, running back number one. Uh, co- coaches are going to want to know um, about the, the knee and, and if it works, but general managers and, and hopefully coaches as well want to know about the person uh, beyond the injury. And so this is his chance to to skyrocket back up the boards, and I think he will because I think he's a great human being. Um, just a couple other quick hitters. Anthony Hill named uh, the Football Writer Association fresh. All-American well-earned. And then Jaron Thompson, who finished his four years at UT and took his his last year, will finish out his career uh, in Auburn. Um, in Alabama at Auburn. I mean, solid decision for him. Great landing spot. Um, he got passed up on the depth chart, probably. So uh, it's exciting for him to have a, a good spot like that. He's been a big contributor and a piece of the culture. Absolutely. Uh, wish him success. Again, I, I am excited to see the new look 
defensive backfield with a, just a little bit more athleticism than I think what what Jaron could offer. He was a instinctual game uh, you know game day player, but he just didn't have uh, that that top end speed that that you want uh, at the safety position. And so will make a great player for 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 the Tigers, I think. But the you know will be a bit susceptible. Uh, to some SEC speed out on the edges there uh, if he gets left in that position. Uh, moving along, orange and white game announced for 420. Gerald, who's your uh, your pick for the musical act who should accompany the 420 game? Got to be got to be Willie Nelson, right? Like that does what makes the most sense. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. Snoop Dogg basically already has every team's jersey in his uh, in his closet, so he could come as well. Um, I mean, right. I think most uh, most musicians of any genre probably smoke weed. So uh, the joke is a bit bit moot at this point. Uh, legalize it. Uh, women's tennis signs international standout uh, Shaf Lieberman, a native of Israel. Just like getting these international players. Um, and then we missed this one last week, uh, and I just wanted to throw it in here. Your guy, Gerald. Speaking of international, Leo Nugenbauer, the Nuge. Named to the Bowerman preseason watch list. We mentioned we had a uh, preseason watch list on the women's side, and I totally missed. I think it came out right after we recorded uh, Leo also named on the men's side. I mean, much deserved, much deserved for all of them, uh, all of the uh, award winners. But yeah, the Nuge is going to be a big piece of Texas trying to get back to the pinnacle for uh, college, for the track and field uh, situation. Absolutely. Um, Gerald. I'm going to say something, and I want you to tell me what the most uh, important and hilarious feature of this uh, news article is. 2024 volleyball commit Aiden Ames was named the Gatorade National Player of the Year. That's the best college or high school volleyball player in the entire country. Gerald, what is the hilarious part of that? Flips from Nebraska. <laughs> yes, she was. Uh, like, I, I don't know if Jared Elliott should ever do anything. Like, shouldn't recruit anyone if they haven't already committed to Nebraska. Shouldn't go in the transfer portal unless Nebraska wants them or they're at Nebraska. Like, just make your existence. You're, you're just winning national championships, which is cool. Uh, but make your offseason existence just trolling the Nebraska fan base. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Think they could put together an outdoor volleyball game at DKR because they would definitely have the uh, biggest attended one. <laughs> that would be a oh man! I feel like there's enough spite building up for fans who aren't <laughs> even volleyball fans, but who who have seen this uh, Nebraska ridiculousness uh, that you you might get enough. You could you could spite to a hundred thousand. Um, speaking of volleyball, moving it to the next class, the 2025. We know um, that uh, Macaria Spears. We we mentioned uh, a few months ago, uh, Marcus Spears' uh, daughter. Um, is the number one player in the 2025 class, the number one outside hitter. Um, Texas just went ahead this week and also landed the number one middle blocker, Taylor Harvey. Um, so that now gives them the number one outside hitter, the number two outside hitter, and number three player, Abby Vanderwall. Taylor Harvey is the number 11 player and the number number one middle blocker, as well as the number 18 and 33 players. That's the number one libero, Callie Kruger, in the number two uh, opposite pin, Addison Gaido. That's um that's that's five in the top thirty three. So if you say Texas can't build a program through recruiting, ooh, I hate that for you too, Nebraska fans. That looks a lot like recruiting to me, Kyle. Uh, speaking of recruiting, uh, basketball recruit for Vic Schaefer, uh, women's basketball signee Jordan Lee was named to the Naismith Trophy Girls High School Player of the Year midseason watch list. She's the number eight player in next year's 2024 class. They have two top 10 players. They signed on the same day. One of them uh, honored here. And then speaking of the Naismith, Max Asmus as well as Rory Harmon named to the midseason uh, wooden 
watch list for uh, collegiate players. Um, nice to see for both of those guards who are uh, who are lighting up the stat sheet uh, for the first few months of the season. Much deserved. I think Rory's probably not going to win that one, but yeah. uh, good to see Max getting his just desserts. Gerald, let's take it home with our final two segments, starting with a bit of Godzilla Tron. What do you watch on your giant screen? Uh, yeah, so I wasn't a ton of watching this week, but I did uh, polish off my Percy Jackson and the Olympians reread, which I mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast. I forgot how much I love that series, and the the TV show is doing some really cool things with it. Um, it is, again, I got the end of that series always gets me, um, and it continues into, like, there's another five-book, like, sequel series that delves into some other things, but, like, the end of the series is basically just, like, these kids being like, the system is screwed up, and the reason why we had this big war is all your fault, all of the Olympians, um, which is, like, kind of their their deities, obviously, in this, and so um, I absolutely love the way that it, that it was written, and the way that it, that's a Spoiler, by the way, for a 20-year-old book series, but it is what it is. Um, if you're watching the shows, I apologize if you've never read them, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's like they're it, they're very clearly and the things that they're doing in the show, because they're doing it, the reason it's prompted it is because there's a Disney Plus show. And the reason why they're doing uh, the reason why I did the reread was because I watched the Disney Plus show, which also been really good. And part of the um, the lore of the book is that, like, obviously all of the Greek gods are, uh, you know, real and um, all Greek gods are real and, and they're doing all their things. And they they cast Timothy Odmanson, if you don't know who he is, as Hephaestus. And part of, like, Hephaestus's thing is, like, he was so ugly and deformed that they cast him down out of uh, Olympus. And they ta- cast this, cla- like, really handsome, older, like, silver fox dude uh, who just happens to walk with a cane. And I'm like, is this uh, – this is adding commentary to an already commentary-heavy um story and I, I just love that they're leading into uh, and not shying away from some of the things that they're saying um, about society in this and so books are great show's been good um, I hope they get all the way to the fifth season of this show because they do some really fun and interesting and honestly tragic and heartbreaking things in that fifth season I like it you you sell it relatively well it may be something that I hadn't planned to get into that I, I could based on the, the excellent Gerald recommendations and an excellent Gerald recommendation that I'm finally just finally um, getting getting to. I started it once, but only got an episode in and just didn't. Um, you know, maybe two, and then just just lost it somehow in the shuffle uh, a couple years ago. But you recommended this podcast way way back when uh, Reservation Dogs, which is which is incredible. I'm I'm almost done with the first season, um, and it just have been been loving it. It's such a great show. Listen to Gerald's recommendation uh, if if you really want it. He lived in Oklahoma and and can you know speak a little closer. To some of those dynamics, but it's just like a well-written show. It's it's funny and fun. Um, some of the characters are ridiculous. Some of it is a little bit like sad and heartbreaking. Some of yeah. it, like um, all of it, seems to be incredibly true um, to the the actual like spirit. And I use that a little bit as a double entendre, but uh, of the the folks depicted, right? It, it it seems to be very well regarded, and it's uh, hewing authentically to to native culture, um, both historically and especially um, life on reservations and what it's like, you know, to be a um, you know twenty twenty second. What are we at? You know, in the twenty twenties, in the uh, the new millennia, uh, a, a person who grew up on a on a reservation and, and has lived that experience so really really good an untold story you don't get to see a lot on screen um really i don't think a lot of people in it are like well-known actors but they're all great and i assume have gone on have to check to great things because there's some some talent 
uh, discovered in this show. But uh, yeah, I mean, one of one of the actors is uh, police uh, reservation cop Big, who was the uh, <laughs> season two Fargo, uh, the Indian, as they called him, uh, who was this just cold-blooded, ruthless killer. So it's funny to watch him immediately, as I mentioned last week, watch Fargo season two immediately after I go to this show. Um, but other than that, it's a lot of undiscovered actors. But uh, really, really great. Um, I've enjoyed enjoyed it, and I'm excited. I know there's not a ton of seasons, so I'm kind of savoring it. But it's hard. It's hard to stop. It is such a good show. It is absolutely like um, the end of season one. Absolutely heartbreaking when they kind of see. Oh, when they I haven't, do the big I haven't, flashback. I haven't finished. I haven't finished season one. I'm not. I'm not gonna. The, the okay. big flashback. I wept like legit. And I'm a crier. Like it is what it is. But like I legitimately wept um, watching the flashback episode in the end of season one my favorite thing about season or reservation dogs is the the two rappers the the um <laughs> they're actually like they're actually indigenous rappers in oklahoma their names are like little mike and funny bone or something they're they're twins yeah uh it is just hilarious like i saw them and i'd seen them like on the local news and i was like oh those guys are like local celebrities here in oklahoma like that's how deep it goes like that's how dedicated they were to like making this like indigenous representation and i thought it was cool as heck there's also another rapper in the show uh, Punk and Lusty and I've only uh, sure there's a bit more to his arc but just the the uh, fry bread greasy greasy fry bread uh, earworm <laughs> was exactly what I needed just a ridiculous character that I can't can't get enough of so um, yeah highly recommend Gerald already told you this um, you know way back when but uh, if you, you needed the, the, the second opinion or you like me had, had forgotten it it's on Hulu check it out it's it's tremendous it's Taiga Watiti you know it's going to be hilarious and irreverent and fun and it's uh, it's tremendous content and that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletic Big Bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz so Kyle what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I'm not going to bang the drum on the crowded football jersey, which has gotten the internet uh, ablaze. And, and you can go to our, our, uh, our Twitter and, and jump in the mentions, as many have. We have uh, a lot of people who graphic design is obviously their passion who are uh, mm-hmm. who are editing this shirt. It is crowded. I don't think it'll be – I think they'll do better when it, SEC play actually comes next season, but a lot of patches all over. I think they'll, they'll figure it out. I'm not banging the drum. On that, in fact, what I'm banging the drum on, Gerald, is as we think of the Directors' Cup and we think of the spring. I mean, there is a sport that reigns supreme in the spring. Obviously, basketball will conclude its season and and get to the the March Madness. But the sport that starts in the spring and is the you know Texas beloved and Texas favorite is, of course, baseball. Gerald and the D1 baseball rankings came out uh, this week in Texas. Ranked number 16, we're a month away, the day we're recording this on January 16th, a month away from the opener uh, against San Diego on February 16th, alumni game at the beginning of the month on February 3rd. Um, But there is some excitement. There's a lot of young talent on this team. They were young last year, and they brought a uh, a lot of that back. There's some freshmen who will be curious to see. We'll do a little bit of a baseball preview and give you some. Um, But, you know, this season there's there's a – a Tanner Witt sized question mark of, of where he's at and where he can get to on, you know, are they a top, uh, top seven, you know, eight team? Are they, are they making it to the college world series and, and trying to make a run? Um, you know, how good are they? Where, where is the, the, 
the ceiling on this team. And I think there's a couple bats and a couple arms um, that we'll preview and we'll talk about that probably determine this team. But, man, I get excited. I get excited in the spring. Weather's terrible right now and it's cold, but I think about the beautiful days uh, sitting in, in Dishfalk, and it's it's hard to beat. I do think the best atmosphere on campus is the, the volleyball uh, Gregory Gym for a volleyball game. I think a, a beautiful spring day at, at Dishfalk um, a, a day game or a, you know an, an, an early nice game with a with a breeze and a little bit of sun is is hard to beat like it's 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 up there it might be number two for me yeah it's hard to hard to say that um, you know I'm also mild moderately partial to Macomb's field as well for that same reason sure um, but either way can't go wrong either side of the street both are incredible experiences in the spring let's think about warmer. Weather up making the drum this week on the college football calendar continuing to be broken. This time in favor of the University of Texas landing a bunch of Alabama transfers. But again, this is really why um, the college football calendar continues to have issues because now, you know, the transfer portal closed essentially for people to enter in the middle of the college football playoffs. Teams that had the opportunity to play in the college football play have got an additional five days of time following their uh, exit from the college football playoff to enter the transfer portal. They got an additional window. And then when Nick Saban decided to retire two days later, there was another 30-day window open for the college football or for the Alabama players to transfer. Um, and it, uh, frankly, it sucks for Alabama. I'm not going to really cry a river for Alabama uh, based on the last two decades of experience of being um, an Alabama fan, but like it really isn't great. And the fact it's not a transfer portal issue. It's not an NIL issue. It's that the calendar is just, it, it's, it's accelerated, but it's also slowed down because of, early signing day and because of the convergence of early signing day and the transfer portal window. And now folks are trying to get out because they don't know, you know, for these schools, they don't know what's going to happen if, you know, the new coach, Kalen DeBoer comes in and things are changing after the spring and they're going to be a spot for them. Right. So get out early while they're getting still good. Um, and, and for Texas's part, you know, they played the situation pretty perfectly. I, there's no sourcing on this. This is just my gut. I feel like Sark probably knew something was coming, which is why maybe they played things a little slower at wide receiver because they thought maybe they could grab one of these folks out of the portal if Nick Saban was going to leave. So that's either here nor there. But it's just, again, the calendar continues to be messy. It's not great for fans. It's not necessarily great for the players that left. You know, guys like Isaiah Bond, who literally said, I'm making a business decision here. I get it. I get it. It, it, it allows for those players to take control of their narrative because in years past they would have been stuck and had to sit out for a year so it's great for guys like him who are able to to make that change the system is not perfect but it's not anywhere close to good right now yeah um it's i feel terrible for alabama fans who um have to sit there and watch other people get all the recruits and who uh (laughs) (laughs) you know it's i kid uh they've had a good run at it um it'll be very curious to see when this settles like what you know tough looks like for alabama because it's not going to be just immediately perfect so like is tough like nine and ten win seasons i don't know we'll see um but uh but yeah keep on coming let's let's take all the all the talent that they want to get florida state seems to be personally like with a vendetta because alabama you know took their playoff spot whatever uh i think they have five alabama players mm-hmm. on the portal so far uh so i love it i love it uh you know it's very interesting it's it's a little bit unprecedented it's, it, alabama just kind of has to sit there uh and, and take it a bit on the on the on the chin uh as players leave and they, they can't replenish and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet 
You can follow me on social media at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook, Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week. Just one show this week, but we'll be back next weekend. Until then, hook them. Hook them. Top 10 Texas. Uh, get everyone ranked. <laughs>